The friends and partners of Kevin Inman Ministries present Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. Pastor Kevin is committed to equipping you to earnestly contend for the faith. For more information on Pastor Kevin and Contenders Radio, please visit our website at www.kevininman.org. That's www.kevininman.org. Hello again, and welcome to another edition of Contenders Radio. I'm your host, Kevin Inman, and today we will pick up on part two of the recent sermon that I preached at Grace Point at Eagle Heights called The Doctrine of the Godhead Trinity. Hope you enjoy. I want you to turn with me to John 14 again, if you're not still there. John 14, and it's, the, it's part of the passage we read a few moments ago, verses 16 and 17. I want you to notice three things that we find here about the Godhead. John 14, verse 16. Let's read it together. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. That is, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because... It does not see Him or know Him, but you know Him because He abides with you and will be in you. So notice three things. Firstly, the Son prays to the Father. Verse 16. I, as Jesus speaking, will ask the Father. So the Son prays to the Father. Secondly, the Father gives the Helper or the Holy Spirit there in the end of verse 16. I will give, or He, the Father, will give you another Helper, that He may be with you forever. What what is this Helper? Oh, verse 17. That is the Spirit of Truth. The Holy Spirit is the Helper that the Father gives. And then lastly, in verse 17, the Spirit lives with and in the Christian. Right at that present time, He says, you know Him because He abides with you. The Holy Spirit was not indwelling the apostles at this point. That happens the day of Pentecost. But he, he points to what's going to happen. You know the Spirit because the Spirit is with you, empowering you to do the things of God. But He will be in you later. From that point when Jesus gave that promise. So you see, each is distinguished from the other. Father, Jesus prays to the Father. Father sends the Spirit. It's very clear. Turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. There's an, obvious, there's an obvious reality going on here that we'll, we'll get to in just a second. But I want you to see here in this other, this other triad of, of truth. Each is distinguished from the other. Let's talk about the baptism of Jesus Christ. Matthew 3, also verses 16 and 17. Matthew 3. Also, verses 16 and 17. We see in verse 13, Jesus arrived from Galilee and Jordan coming to John, uh, not the writer of the Gospel of John. This is John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, cousin to John on their, uh, John's the cousin of Jesus on their mother's side, okay? And so he comes and, and John's trying to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. You don't come to me. Jesus says, permit it at this time, for this is fitting for the, fu- uh, for the fulfillment of all righteousness. So John permits him in verse 16 and 17. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately. He came up straightway out of the water. And behold, the heavens were open and he saw, 
he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. You see, all three persons of the Godhead Trinity here in Matthew 3, 16 and 17. The Son is baptized, verse 16. Physically there, goes down into the water. He gets wet physically, comes up out of the water, and here or sees the Holy Spirit descending as a dove, as a dove, like unto a dove. Doesn't say it turned into a dove. He descends like a dove, verse 16. And then we see the Father, or rather hear the Father speaking from heaven, verse 17. Son in the water, Spirit descending, Father, voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. All three persons of the Godhead Trinity are there at the baptism of Jesus. So we see, number one, there's only one God. Secondly, God exists as three persons. Thirdly, each person is, in, is uh, distinct from the others and have the attributes of God. Which brings us to our fourth point in our conclusion. Therefore, there is one God who exists as three persons simultaneously. One essence, but three persons. This is the doctrine of the Trinity. Do you understand it fully? Probably not. I don't. I'm finite. <laughs> I'm feeble. Feeble-minded especially. But this is what the Bible proclaims. One God who exists as three persons. Each of the three persons have the distinctive attributes of God. They are separate and distinct from one another. Therefore, there is one God who is three persons. Conclusion this morning. Some of you are thinking, man, you're being very clear and very succinct. No rabbit trails yet. You should have, you should have kidney stones every week. I rebuke you for even thinking it. I rebuke you. Just kidding. But this is a very important thing. There's no room for error here. So here's the question. And it's the, probably the question that's burning in some of your, your hearts. Ready for it? It's profound. Got your pens ready? Who cares? <gasps> Hopefully we all would say we care. Amen? But this is the question that a lot of people ask. And it's a fair question. Who cares? This is some meaty stuff. I believe in Jesus. I, I believe in God. Isn't that enough? Well... The Trinity is an important doctrine. The triunity of God, the Godhead, important doctrine, and here's why. Let me give you three quick reasons. One is because it sharpens our understanding of God. It's important to wrestle with this because in doing so, you will come to know God as He reveals Himself in the Bible. And folks, listen. If you don't know God as He reveals Himself in the Bible... If you're relying on an experience, some experiential feeling about God, you just may, and I'll dare to say you most likely, will get the wrong God. Because God has revealed Himself to us clearly in the Scripture. I say clearly because what God says He means, and He means what He says, and He says so very straightforwardly. doesn't mean we grasp every detail, but His Word is clear. The clarity of Scripture... We shouldn't have to wonder what something means. Especially a doctrine, a key doctrine such as this. But it sharpens our understanding of God. It reminds us, as I said when we started, of God's greatness. It also reminds us of our smallness. 
Folks, if we can define God perfectly and understand every nuance and every, every, every ounce of essence of who God is, then, folks, we've created a God of our own making and we've placed Him in a little box. This is my God. Be careful when you look in there. I don't want Him to get out. And, folks, God is infinitely beyond us. God is way beyond our ability to relate to, and yet He condescends. He, he comes down to us. He takes on flesh. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Though we can know God because He reveals Himself to us, He is yet a mystery. He is a knowable mystery, as contradictory as that sounds. But folks, that's who God is. He is the knowable unknown. Secondly, the Trinity, the triunity, the Godhead. It gives us a standard by which we can separate true doctrine from false teaching. And some of you may think this isn't a big deal or it's just my job, but you're wrong. Contending for the faith is the work of every believer. Jude verse 1 or Jude chapter 1 verse 3. Jude is writing to believers commending them that they earnestly Contend for the faith. Contend is a boxing or a wrestling term. You get into the ring with falsehoods and you fight. So this is the standard. We study the triunity of God because it helps us separate truth from lies. Now let me give you three examples here. And this isn't said to be unloving or mean. I say this because it's true, but also because it's, it's very loving. Folks, if we allow lost people, if we allow those who have been deceived by cults to continue on in there, I'm not angry. This is not a face of anger. I'm not angry. If we allow people who are caught up in cults to continue on in the lies and the deception, we are allowing them to go to hell without a who cares. And that shouldn't be true of us. So the Mormon church, quote unquote church, They've removed the name Mormon recently. They're only to be known from henceforward, according to them, as the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They don't want to be called Mormons because we have their number. Mormonism is a cult. It's a theological cult. And here's why. Mormonism rejects the idea that Jesus was the eternal God. That He always existed. They call Him a Son of God. But in the same way that you and I might be called a Son of God. They would not say that Jesus was the eternal God. They proclaim that Jesus was created before the world and was created and holds a special place, but He is not God. They use the same words that the Bible uses now to try to define and deceive Christians, but they are the ones deceived. You can't redefine what God has clearly stated. And Mormonism, despite their... Great the theatrics and, and, and gymnastic uh, maneuvering and redefining, their definitions are wrong. Jesus is not God to them. Therefore, they are a theological cult. The Trinity, the Trinity is the answer. The Trinity is the answer. Our three premises and, and, and the result that there is one God who, in essence, who is existing eternally as three persons. Mormons need to know that. When they come to our doors. Do they come to your door? When they come to your door, tell them about the Lord God. They don't come to my door anymore. Uh, I think I'm on a naughty list. But I wish they would. They need to know the truth. 
I can remember a few years ago we moved and saw them going house to house. And they went. we were in Bridge City at the time. They, they, they looked at a piece of paper, pointed like this, and then kept walking past our house. I ran out of the garage. Remember that? Into the driveway. Like, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Just kept walking. Kept walking. I think we got on a naughty list because we, we helped a young girl in Mont Bellevue almost leave Mormonism. And I say almost because she got drugged back in. But second reason for us to understand this doctrine is this. It, 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 well, it gives us this, 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 this worldness. This, this, it helps us separate the truth from the lie. Here's the second example under that. The Jehovah's Witnesses. The Jehovah's Witnesses ridicule the ideal of the Trinity. And they will often say, one plus one plus one does not equal God. And they're right. One plus one plus one equals three. But Christianity does not teach that one plus one plus one equals three, or equals one, rather. We teach that one times one times one equals one. That's different. That's what we teach. They would say that Jesus was the, the, the they would not say rather that, that Jesus was the eternal God. They would proclaim that Jesus was created, but, uh, sorry, they, they would not say he's the eternal God. Um, uh, they, 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 they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't do that. I'm about to confuse them with, with Mormonism. My apologies. Here's a, here's a third example. And this one may hit a little closer to home for many of us. The apostolic slash oneness Pentecostal religion. They also deny the Trinity. Now, this is the core doctrines. I'm not saying every Pentecostal denies this. I'm not saying that. But their doctrine does. They deny the Trinity. They hold to, hold to that form of modalism we talked about earlier, which teaches that God operated in different forms or different modes at different times. Sometimes He was the Father, at other times He was the Son, and then other times He was the Holy Spirit. That's what... The apostolic church teaches. That's what United Pentecostalism teaches. And then there are other sects that come off of both of those branches. But that is the official teaching of those churches. Churches. I'm not saying that to be ugly. But folks, if you miss who God is, you've missed Christianity. There is no salvation from a false Jesus. The Jesus of our making in our boxes. We just looked at two very good answers to the problems of modalism, to the problems of the apostolic faith and the Pentecostal faith. Matthew 3, verses 16 and 17. If Jesus was being baptized, what came out of heaven and who spoke from heaven? No Pentecostal has ever been able to answer that. You know why? They're incapable of answering that with their doctrine. That's not pride. That's not pride at all. Folks, I've, I've, I've labored with some of those folks. I have friends and family in those sects of Christ, Christendom. I do. And it's not to be ugly. It's to be truthful and right about God's Word, the right dividing of God's Word. Not, not for me to be right. That's not the point. That's not the point at all. But also, in John 14, verses 16 and 17, the same thing. Jesus says, I will pray to the Father. Is He, is he being deceptive of us? Is he just going to pray to himself and try to deceive his audience? How horrible a God would be to do that. Amen? He's not just teaching us how to do that by lying and deceiving. Folks, that is ludicrous. That is painfully deceptive and wrong. Wrong. 
Modalism also as a heresy is not new. It didn't start with the Azusa Street Revival back in uh, the turn of the, of the century, 1898 or so, 1901, 1902. That's not when Pentecostalism started, this oneness ideal started. It started early on. There was a heresy called Arianism. And the early church rebuked this man. They rebuked his followers. They rebuked the teaching as being heretical. This ideal of God, of Jesus being one mode of God that appeared in the Father, then appears later or before, and then the Spirit, that was rejected already in the second century A.D. It's never been, been declared to be biblical. That ideal was never biblical from the beginning. Modalism has been denied. And yet, Joyce Meyer teaches a very soft form of it still to this day. Although she got smart about seven years ago and changed her doctrinal statement on her website. It's very generic. But Joyce Meyer teaches modalism. T.D. Jakes also teaches modalism. That is false teaching. It's false doctrine. And there are plenty of others. But folks, that's heresy. So here's the third point of our conclusion. It sharpens our understanding. It gives us a standard to separate truth from non-truth. And finally, listen, and this is what it comes to. True worship must worship as God exists. If we're going to worship in spirit and in truth, we have to worship God as He exists, not as we want for Him to be. Not as we wish or desire for Him to be. A person or church that does not believe and affirm the doctrine of the Trinity is not worshiping God as He exists in reality. They're not worshiping the God of the Bible. They're worshiping a God of their own making or a God of someone else's making. But it's not the God of the Bible. So when we examine churches or when we examine teachers, folks, how they deal with the triunity of the Godhead is a foundational place to start. Amen? If they get that wrong, we shouldn't trust anything else in their doctrine. Everything else is suspect. If we miss God, we've missed Christianity. This is the place to start, to find out where they stand on the doctrine of one essence and three persons, the Godhead. And I know the, the word Trinity is not in the Bible. That's right. That's right. Neither is the word Pacific. Neither is the word Volkswagen. <laughs> But the Pacific exists. Amen? Volkswagens exist. They do. Chloe used to drive one. Just because a word is not in the Bible doesn't mean that the reality is not also in the Bible. Because the reality is that God is the great three in one. And let me just say this and maybe this will help put your mind at ease. Some of our brains are doing exactly that, right? Anybody say amen to that? Is your brain about to explode? So Weezy, Weezy always summarizes for us exactly what we're all feeling. appreciate that about her. That's our spiritual gift. There you go. But listen, if you try to explain the Trinity to its fullest, you will lose your mind. Anybody say amen to that? Amen. amen. But if you deny it, you will lose your soul. You will lose your soul. That's how, that's how important... That's how essential the, the understanding of God's triunity of the Godhead is. And yet, listen to this. It's important to remember, however, that we're not saved by having perfect doctrine. We're not saved by having perfect doctrine. 
But we will never be saved by rejecting perfect doctrine. That's important for us to remember. And this isn't an us against them sort of thing. I'm not arming you so you can win a debate. We're arming ourselves with the truth as God defines this ideal of who He is so that we can bring people to Christ. Listen, we're saved the same way we've always been saved. By trusting in faith in a perfect Savior. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's how we're saved. By grace through faith and not of works, not of perfect doctrine, not of works lest any man can boast, but it's a gift of God. It's a gift of God. So we have to believe in the right God. Are you trusting in the perfect Savior today? Jesus, the Son of God, not a mode of God, but the perfect Son of God, the second person of the divine Godhead, Trinity, triune essence that we know as God. Jesus. If you're not trusting in that Jesus, you're trusting in a created Jesus that there is no hope in. And if you are being convicted of your disbelief today, God is drawing you to Himself. That is happening by the third person of the Godhead Trinity, the Holy Spirit, as the Father sends the Spirit to bring you to repentance. Would you cry out to God right now where you sit? God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I need you to save me because I utterly totally, completely am incapable of saving myself. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast of Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. For more information on this or other broadcasts, please log on to our website, contendersradio.com. That's contendersradio.com. You can also find us on the web at kevininman.org. That's kevininman.org. There you will find podcast episodes, blog posts, study helps, and more. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you in your pursuit of the truth.